there's a gay bar in here that I totally know. Really? The Admiral Duncan will get there when we get there. Okay, great. But hi, London gays. I know. Hi, London gays. <laughs> hi, Julian Bethavali. Hi, Patrick Hines. Fam, welcome to the show. Okay, wow. You okay? What's going yeah. on? You Sometimes right? I get to that point and I'm like, what do I say at this part? I don't remember. It's been a long week. I know. It's Tuesday. Well, I want to implore the fam to join us on the Patreon. If you okay, want more Jillian and me, we're uploading tons of video content. We're going to keep uploading more. We have the live show from Obsessed Fest with yes. all the dancers. We've got the live show from Boston where we did class action park yes. in front of 1,100 at people. At the Wilbur. At the Wilbur. The legendary Wilbur. We've got the panels from Obsessed Fest, the West Memphis 3 with you and Damien and Bob Ruff. Yes. Rebecca and Rabia talking <gasps> Adnan. Like days after he was Days released. after. We're uploading in Dallas where Steve and I did class action park together. I come out as the babushka lady. You're going to want to. Of course, you're in Dallas. Why wouldn't you? Exactly. And if you don't get that reference, watch the show. Oh, man. Also on the Patreon, you're going to find over 350 full ad-free bonus episodes. Right. So you get all the episodes from the regular feed ad-free. And then you get all of the series. Like, we just finished Finding Andrea. We're doing Woodstock 99. I'm so pumped for Woodstock 99. Jewel was there, which makes no sense to Uh, me. But, like, all the sense in the world. But all the sense. I was not, like, a Woodstock music person, but I loved this documentary. It's wild. It's wild. So we're doing that. Bad Vegan yep. and The Vow and Tiger King and you know, Lorena. Speaking of Bad Vegan, you know Sarma is hanging out with Sarah from The Vow. They're like best friends now. I know. I told you that. Is had a dollar for every time you've been like, oh, have you? There's, Remember when you told me about that great show, Shits Creek? There's and I was this like, brand oh. new artist you might like. Her name is Taylor Swift, uh-huh. and she's a singer-songwriter. She's great. You're going to be into it. Really? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I forgot that you existed. <laughs> girl, what are we talking about today? Okay, so this is on Netflix. It's called Nail Bomber Manhunt. I spent 10 years undercover in the far right. It it was so much worse than I thought it was going to be. Really. It was hardcore. People were like competing to be as radical as possible. And there was talk about starting a race war. We would come to a time where we needed to, like, kill people. In the 1990s, there was trouble in the streets. A lot of tension. All someone had to do was light a match. But we didn't think anyone was really going to do it. But then one person did. We opened with a guy asking for a beer, and I feel very seen. Well, it's a perfect way to start a documentary. It is, his identity is being kept secret. But he's also very nice. He's he like, is can I have nice. a beer? He says, thank you. They I say, know. sure. At some point in this, we see a Nazi open a beer with his teeth. Like immediately, like right yeah. now, we do. Um, <laughs> Nazis and teeth beer. I'm going to take a hard pass. Have you punched a Nazi in the face today? No. You should. Is that an option? Oh, we always punch Nazis. Well, have you seen a Nazi today? No, but if I well, saw one, I'd punch them. Not in person, necessarily. Do you watch the news? Well... <laughs> It's November 8th. I know. No, if I had the opportunity, I would sure. for sure punch a Nazi. I believe in punching That's allowed. Yeah. yeah. There's no laws against that. Do you want to punch a Nazi? Yeah. Punch him right inside the face. Why are you doing this to Frozen? I don't know. Especially about snow. I, I do want to build a snowman, and I do want to punch a Nazi. 
These are things about me. I love it. So we're in some cafe. The good guy, the guy who asked for the beer nicely. His name is Arthur. His name is Arthur. His English accent is so thick that they have to subtitle him. It's so good. It is really good. So this guy, Arthur, we learned that he spent 10 years undercover in the far right. That's why he's here to tell us like what he learned. And he's saying what we all know would be true, just that it was way worse than you thought. This is a group of people who were competing to be the most radicalized. Yeah. Competing to be the Naziest Nazi. Right. Like we're talking about like starting a race war yeah. and killing people and bomb manuals, like all the scary shit. And I want to say like what makes people end up like this, but we find out. Oh, we find out. It doesn't take much. So let's go to London, 1999. Love it. And this is very, they have like Basement Jacks as the soundtrack. Uh-huh. It's very late 90s London. I got to say, I, I texted this to you earlier. Eventually we get to the gays in London. There are no humans on earth who look gayer than London gays. I and I, I say that as a total compliment. My theory is that it's the lack of socks. Right. <laughs> There's a lot of like high water pants and fancy shoes and no socks, and which I love. they skinny. I, I love the London. And the accents. Yeah. So throughout the doc, we get audio recordings with the piece of shit who did this, the nail right. bomber. Yeah. So th- it's a person who's been like setting off bombs full of nails in various neighborhoods, but it opens with them sort of getting the guy. Yeah. And we get the audio interview, which is what this guy is so fucking honest. Yeah. And the thing is, just a little note, there are voice actors performing the actual transcript of the conversation. Oh, that I didn't know. And it's very well done because oh, it feels wow. like real, real recordings. I really thought it was real recordings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My aim was political. It was to cause a racial war in this country. What does that mean? There'll be the uprising and all that, you know, the racial violence in the street, whatever. He gives his motives yeah. and why he really hates the gays. Yeah, and very just nonchalant, which yeah. is terrifying. Terrifying. When you're a Nazi and yeah. you're talking about hateful nail bombs. Like, I don't, yeah. not a fan not at a all. Fan. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and second that right yeah, away. Right? Yeah, right? Yeah. yeah, just put put that right on the record. <laughs> totally. um, DMs be damned. Totally. <laughs> So let's go to Brixton. Yeah. Here's something very annoying and weird about this documentary. There's and no I, lower thirds, not right? Not a single one. I would go back and write their name because they do give you the name. So you're gonna you're talking about talent. Yeah, talking. I mean, they're real people. No, no, I'm saying the woman's name is Talent. The, the woman's woman name is Talent. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. So like the closed captions help out, or yes. sometimes we get old footage of them being introduced on the news, and, and like that's how we get their the, name. Uh, it is really Netflix. We don't like that. Part. I don't know why. It's they a great ch- documentary. Otherwise, and it's such an easy fix. I know, and I don't know why there was a conversation where someone was like. You know what we got to get rid of those goddamn lower thirds. <laughs> like let's let's get rid of the Nazis. Keep yeah. lower thirds. Yeah, 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 yeah. I couldn't agree more. I'm dying on that hill. But we meet this woman, talent, and she sort of was like in her market stall. That's what this neighborhood kind of is. It's a lot of like street vendors. We meet her. We meet these two super hot guys that are all like the artful Dodgers. I mean, they. I these two guys are almost like, are they cat? Like, did they cast them? They're too good. They're they just the rep, the witty repartee is nonstop with these two. And they love each other. They're like best friends and they love each other. Right, and they like sold bootleg CDs and DVDs. Like, that was their thing. We start Robin Hoods, man. Like In their eyes, we're Robin Hoods, but not in, not in our prices' eyes, anyway. Our price used to be over the road, actually. And we used to say things like, this is my price, not our price. Yeah, we had a lot of rhymes. Didn't fall off the back of a lorry. I had to jump up and get it myself. Yeah, yeah. I don't care if you're in the game, on the game, or out the fucking game. Half your shopping store prices. They had all these cute rhymes, as they tell us. Uh-huh. But the rhymes are, didn't fall off a lorry, had to jump up and get it myself. And I'm like, is that a rhyme? <laughs> Another rhyme is, I don't care if you're in the game, on the game, or out of the fucking game. Half the shopping store prices. <laughs> Again, not a rhyme. Those are just things you're saying. No. I'm here for it 100%. At one point, they one of, they try, they go to do a high five, and one of them won't break eye contact with the camera. And he's like, come on, don't leave me hanging. And he's not looking at the other guy, giving him the high five. Oh, my God. 
and they're so hot. Like they're they're great. But basically, these people, this woman talent, these two guys were just saying that like it was a gorgeous morning. Everyone was out and about so doing busy. their shopping. Yeah, yeah. It's like one of those places in the city that's like full of like stalls where yeah. people are selling their wares. And suddenly, in the middle of all these vendors, someone notices a bag that is ticking. So it's the woman who works in the stall next to Talent's stall. Yeah. And she's like, Talent, get over here and tell me I'm not crazy. So she leans down. She hears the sound. She gives us like a version of what the sound sound is like. Yes. Which is terrifying. It's ticking. And then our two friends, yeah. the, C- the the DVD bootlegging guys, they put their faces right in it and they notice that it's a bomb. And the one guy's like, I'm not a bomb expert, but I know when I see a bomb. But then nobody runs for their fucking life. Everyone just stands around like, what do we do? And, and what they say that is so like wild is that. It was like a cartoon bomb if you know what I mean with yeah. the clock with it with the ding a ling a ling and all that. The old, so you, you no, kinda the, just the know. old clocks with the old bells on these side. Yeah, the bells on the round the round face like clock in a Tupperware box and out, out coming out the Tupperware box with wires and they were going into a brand, brand block. Into a box, box. for the now. It looks like a cartoon box. Yes, it like, has it like all those alarm bomb. clocks on it. Right, right, like right. Bell and like dynamite. Clocks. But yes. also what it also has is it's attached to a box of nails. Yes. That is what they notice. They notice two things. They also, the, the two street vendor guys also tell us about like in the middle of the chaos of trying to figure out what to do with the bomb, somebody steals the bag that the bomb is in. Some like thief walks up on the scene, yeah. takes the bomb like, out. Oh, free bag. <laughs> takes the bomb and the nails out. And puts them on the ground and then walks away with the bag. Yeah. Now, once again, nobody is running for their life. Well, no one knows what to do. Oh, my God. Um, so they finally get the police over, like, over to the, the yeah. ticking fucking bomb yeah. attached to nails. And, like, the second the cops are there, the bomb goes off. And we see it. We see, like, that stop motion, like, CCTV footage. Yes. And it's just, like, it just explodes. And, like, we know it's, like, full of shrapnel and nails. And nails. And, like, the footage, and because I know what I know about the audio that it's yeah. recreated, the footage is so scary but also so cinematic that I'm not sure if it's real or recreated uh-huh. because our two friends, they tell a story about getting like blown back by the bomb and the explosion yeah. and then finding each other yeah. and we see that moment yes. of them finding each other. It's pretty amazing and one of them says he got a nail in the leg and they put him on a stretcher. Uh. There's people with like yeah. limbs missing, nails in their head. I thought, why do I need to waste a stretcher going to hospital with, with a nail? So they cut his it, jeans it, hit me in the, it hit me in the leg. But my mum just bought me these for, uh, for my birthday. And I went, don't cut my jeans. My mum got me for my birthday, my favourite ones. I'll never forget that. Number one, please don't cut his jeans off because his mom just got them for him for his birthday. They're and they're his favourite pair. And he's like laughing, telling that part. But he basically rips the nail out of his leg and is like, there's people missing arms and legs. Like, put them on the stretcher. He goes, why am I wasting a stretcher? Yeah, yeah. I know. What a sweetheart. I know. And the other guy didn't get hit at all, if you can believe it. I mean, nails everywhere. Yeah. And so 39 people were injured, but no one died. Yeah. And then we cut back to the recorded interview with the guy. Yeah. And they're saying, like, they ask him, did you think of the consequences? And he's just saying, no, I just had to do it. And he said, did you think of the people? And he says, no, not at all. He has had this rage inside him. Yeah. So we'll find out later since he was 20. He's now 22 or 23 or whatever. But also 22, 23 years old. I know. Right, because he's been radicalized, and we'll find out how and why later, but, like, he's been dealing with this rage in him. For He's been, like, not even trying to fight the urge to make this bomb. He's just, like, one day he just woke up and had to make a nail bomb and bring it to a largely minority neighborhood. That's the other part of this. Not being a Nazi 
is like I a know. lot of things, but I I think maybe number one is exhausting. Yes, it's so tiring to be so fucking hateful. Yes, and so like you you want to be so amped up, full of hate and rage. Like, I know. Like, take a nap. I know. And Shut we, up and we, get punched in the face. And then we see like to really drive it home. All of the injuries. We see an X-ray of a person with a nail in their head. A full yeah. nail yeah, yeah. has embedded in this person's head, and then we find out it's a four-year-old kid. And. We meet someone again. I don't know who this guy is. He must be a doctor or a scientist. Uh, yeah. I wish I knew the context. He's like of that the, he, I think he's like the, the emergency room doctor, right? And he explains that nail bombs are built to kill as many people as possible and right. to do maximum harm. So when this asshole is on the recording, being like, "I just had the urge," like, yeah. Oh, yeah, "Yes, you did," but you also did specifically a nail bomb because you knew it would cause maximum harm. So he's also just talking out of both sides of his mouth. I just the level of evil that has to live in your yeah. soul to be in some fucking room building a nail bomb. And to talk about it in this way, like you're just, there's darkness and evil inside And he's one of those kids that like, he's thrilled to be telling his story. Eventually we're gonna, he's gonna tell us he wanted to get caught because he wanted to be famous. proud of it. Yeah. And this doctor, I'm assuming a doctor, this person, explains also like, why they're so dangerous. Not only can it do maximum harm, but like the nails, this is not, just stay with me here. I'm not going anywhere. Yeah. But this is gonna sound like I'm misspeaking. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Nails accompanied by anything else that the blast wave picks up on the way. And as it moves through different people, it can carry bits of one person into another. So you end up with very complex wounds where bits of somebody's leg can end up in, end up in their chest or they can end up in the chest of the next person. A piece of your leg can end up in your chest or the chest of someone next to you. And think about that. Yeah. Like, it's just, it's just things are flying all over. At hurting. 300 miles an hour, by the way, these nails are flying through the air at three. That's what a plane flies at. Right. And like, that just makes this very hard to treat because yeah. the wounds are so complex. Exactly. So don't act here. Don't sit here and act like, I don't know. I just had this urge. You knew exactly what you were doing. Exactly. To cause maximum harm. So then we meet a guy named Mike Franklin, and he's with an organization called the Community Police Consultative Group. Yeah. So he's a black man who lives in this largely black neighborhood who I think is on a task force to sort of say to the police, like, hey, we don't have a great relationship. Like, let's try to work together on some things. Right. And so he's telling us, like, how tense things were in Brixton, and people were furious and terrified. And he, Mike, says immediately. The police were very, very careful not to jump to conclusions. You know, they wanted to say, well, we're keeping an open mind about what motivation of this is. I thought it was a racist attack. Instinctively. I knew it instinctively. It was a racist attack. And he's so frustrated because he's saying the police are trying to keep an open mind. And he's like, anybody who lives here knows this was a racially motivated attack. And because the cops say, well, we want to catch this guy as much as you do. And Mike goes, no, I don't think you do. Where do you live? This isn't your community. You don't know anything about it. And Mike says he didn't kill anybody this time, which means like, is he more likely to come back and try this again? We got to fucking get this guy. We got to get him. So Simon Foy is a police officer at the time in Brixton. And he basically, describes himself as like young and fresh faced and pretty naive. Yeah. And there's a lot of speculation about what is going on and like who's responsible. And more importantly says Mike like yeah that's great but like what's going to be done about it? Like let's get to the bottom of this. And he says that Brixton was underprotected and over policed. That's what Mike says as a person who lives there. Right. Right. Because he lived through what we learned about the Brixton riots of 1981. And they give us a little background on this. We both looked it up a little bit but essentially what was happening in Brixton in like the 70s and the 80s were young people of 
color were being over-policed by the cops. They were doing stop and frisk. Stop and frisk. They call it stop and search, but it's stop and frisk. I mean, stop and frisk. It's essentially like they can stop anybody for any reason and like search them for weapons or whatever. And it's just a way of like police intimidation. And they were saying that the mostly white police were, of course, targeting the black kids and the kids of color. And they would say the black kids and the kids of color would get arrested and taken into the police station and then come out like having been beat up. Right. And so in 81 in Brixton, the kids fought back. Yeah, over like two days. And I'm sure if you're from there or you know about this that we are oversimplifying. We looked into this on our own. We just wanted to sort of give some context. Yeah, like 5,000 people were involved. It was a it was a massive, lots of injuries. There were, de- like there was a lot. Yes, but that's what Mike, the community activist, is saying. People felt underprotected and overpoliced. We'd all been through the Brixton riots of 81. Deaths in custody, we've been through all that kind of stuff. So a lot of us in the community weren't that happy or comfortable working with the police because we didn't trust them. We don't have a great relationship with the cops. Stop saying you're going to keep an open fucking mind. Right. Obviously, somebody came into our community to, like, wreak havoc and terror and murder on our people. Go find the guy. Especially when the cops were being told over and over again, like, you should look at the far right. They're a threat. And the cops are like, I really don't think so. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know about that. Like, they they didn't take their hate seriously, and they should have. Exactly. And especially when you have an organization like... Searchlight, which is a private intelligence operation. Which, can I get a little more information on that? I know. Private intelligence operation? Does Jennifer Garner work there? What's happening? I don't know. Because I'm like, are they sanctioned by the government or are they like funded by some like billionaire? Well, it's private. So yeah, I'm going to, I mean, what is that? I don't know. I'd buy into that. Me too. I'd throw money at that. Well, I'm sure they could use their powers for the forces of good or for evil, you know? I mean, yeah. But the point is the searchlight, like they were infiltrating, like monitor, like fascist groups. Like they were going undercover and they were warning the police for years. They're yes. like, these people are terrorists. They're angry. They're as angry as they are. They're they're even more motivated. And they're young and they're being radicalized. Like and they're fucking Nazis. Exactly. Like, how do you hear the word Nazi and you're like, I don't know if it's really as bad <laughs> right? as you think. <laughs> Private organization that does this for a living. Like, just listen to people. Yeah, and so they're really trying to, like, get somebody to get into one of these far-right groups and that's where they're contacted by the guy from the beginning, that guy Arthur. And we see this footage of the people and the groups that they're in trading. Yes. This is where we get the guy opening a glass bottle with his teeth. Yes, it's fucking terrifying. And Arthur, they describe him as young, political, anti-racist. He just wanted to, like, get in and, like, do good work and embed himself in this community. Which means that these are very, very dangerous people, and they need to believe truly that Arthur's a Nazi. Is it important to still keep your identity a secret? Yeah. Because, like, these guys really are dangerous. And they still believe that you were a Nazi. Yeah. Why did you do it? I like being a spy. It's, um, it's a buzz. I just love being a spy. It's a buzz. Yeah, it's exciting. It's, it's a, a buzz. buzz. It's a gas. <laughs> and I was like, I don't know. This is where I was just like, this is a good opportunity, Arthur, to just remind us you really hate Nazis. Uh, he does eventually. He does Eventually. Uh, yeah. But like anybody who's embedded for like the 10 years, he sort of like falls under this spell. We'll get right. there. But it's like, what a wild thing to I decide know. you want to do with your life. I know. So he tells us how it all started. And it's John Tyndale of the British National Party. Yeah. So this guy, like just to really put a fine point in that, the comparisons to Trump are just like. Unbelievable. Are, they're unbelievable. And they're made right from the top. The guy's name is John Tyndale. He's the head of the British National Party. They are, quote, the law and order party. And we hear the fucking talking points. They're going to stop immigration. 
They're going to, quote, help immigrants go home. Yeah, so this isn't like an SVU watch party. Right. This is people talking shit about immigrants like it's a good thing. Right. Things like that. Exactly. Like, they love stop and search, stop and frisk, because that's like, they're hard on crime, which also just leads to a bunch of bad shit. This guy, John Tyndall, we literally see him do a commercial saying, we're going to build a movement that will put the great back in Great Britain. They literally want to make Britain great again. Yes. Wait, M-B-G... Mubga. Mubga. They're Nazis. They're Nazis. See, it's a much easier way to say it. Yeah, yeah. And we'll get there eventually, but like, I want to say this now. This John Tyndall guy, he's finding these young guys that are all described as like stupid. They're not educated. They're like easily moldable men who are disgruntled in life. We used to go to different meetings and they were always in pubs. And so you had all these violent young men, intoxicated, being told that they're being threatened by these hordes of immigrants and they're going to murder you in your beds and rape your wife and eat your children. Immigrants are going to rape your wives and take your jobs and getting them drunk enough to right. just get really fucking mad and then go out into the street and beat people up. Like, they're already furious. Exactly. He doesn't really have a, a long way to go. No. But that's where these Nazis are coming of from. Course. They're just like angry young men who are dissatisfied with life and are now being radicalized in a bar by this guy. And they're scared. Yes. Like, they're terrified. Totally. It's so, uh, whatever. So Arthur says, Arthur, our undercover Nazi, mm -hmm. says, Says <laughs> undercover Nazi coming uh, this <laughs> fall to CBS. <laughs> Jillian Pensavalli is no. an undercover Nazi. <laughs> I would I would be terrified, and I think I'd be like, well, the thing about people of color is yeah. that like I would be <laughs> killed. I wonder how long I would last as an undercover Nazi. You... How long do you think I'd last, GP? Oh, not long at all. No. <laughs> how come? Like for what reason? Because you're gay. Okay. <laughs> They're Nazis. Am I noticeably gay? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Am I? Flaming gay? Yeah. Okay. Am These are I? all good things. These are all compliments. I don't know why you're giving me that that tone that no, you're no, trying no. to gotcha me I, when I'm just listing some of your amazing qualities. Am I Cosmo gay? Yes. Okay, great. Am I It's Always Happy Hour gay? Yes. Okay, great. Am I knows every line of Golden Girls and Sisters gay? Yes. Okay, great. I got you the DVD of Sisters I know. and a DVD player. All five seasons and a DVD player. I got you the full series. I know. Have you watched it yet? Yes. No. Oh, you have? Of course. Okay, great. Okay. So Arthur's saying, he's trying to get us to understand what it was like to be in this group. And he says, yeah. like, we saw it. And he's saying we, because he's, you know, have to has to pretend to be Nazi. Like, yeah. they're the good guys, right? Like, right. they are, they're very, very extreme. And no one questioned him because he says, like, well, why wouldn't a white guy join? Exactly. Like, to them, it makes, like, a welcome. Of course you're here. And he's just saying that on the outside, they're like, we're the good guys, we're the protectors, but then you would go to these meetings. And people were like, distributing hit lists, overtly Nazi propaganda, bomb manuals. My assumption was that they'd keep the Nazi thing out of the way for new recruits, but straight away they were saying killing Jews was a good thing. First day. First day, yeah. They're distributing Nazi propaganda and bomb manuals in these meetings with this Tyndall guy. Yeah. He's like literally handing out like, here's how to make a bomb and go into a gay neighborhood. And Arthur says like, just a quick reminder, I was living my life as a Nazi. Yes. Like everyone, he wasn't just lying to the Nazis. Yeah. Because he's not one. But to his family and friends, it was like, holy shit, Arthur's a Nazi now? Like he had to live his life as a Nazi to really infiltrate these guys. And That's wild. the family, we learn at the end of this thing, his family doesn't find out until 20 years 
later yeah. that he actually was undercover. Right. He lived that lie that long. I mean, think about that. That's wild. I mean, like, if somebody in my family came home and they were a Nazi, I would never speak to them again. Right? Like, you know? Well, that kind of makes it easy for Arthur. I guess. That he can just focus on. But that it's he's crazy. so willing to do that. Like, what a patriot, I guess. And especially because he was so, like, the reason he was good for this, the reason he was chosen is because he's so anti-racist. Yeah. So to really turn on a dime like that, his family must be like, Arthur, what the fuck? He also talks about all the times he would get beat up by anti-fascists. Yes. Even though he actually is one. Yeah. But pretending to be a Nazi, he would like, he's like, oh God, here we go again. Oh, Some lady beat him with a hammer. <laughs> he's like, honestly, I deserved it. I know. <laughs> Once again, I will ask, have you punched a Nazi today? <laughs> Leave your hammers at home, please. But punch them. Yes, Get absolutely. really good. And it's all in the back, you know, it's in yeah, the Yeah, you got to twist your hip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know how to throw Everyone a punch. Everyone knows that. Okay, okay great. Um, if I know how to throw a punch, literally totally. everybody does. <laughs> Stance and then Boop. and follow through. Yeah, you got to follow, you got to twist your hip. Of course. I'm like, doing it, but okay. you can't see it. Okay, great. We're back to the interview with the suspect, and they're saying to him, like, why? Why did you want to do this? And this is where he gives the explanation. He says, you have so many poor white people in this country. The idea that everything needs to be equal demeans the white people. So the fact that the good of the country wants everybody of all races and ethnicities to have the same opportunities demeans the white person in this guy's view. And that's why he's making nail bombs and going and terrorizing their communities. Nazis. Nazis. Like, fucking Nazis, They really. They suck. I know. They're the worst. And I, that, that's what makes it so frustrating. But he also delights in what these nail bombs do. So you wanted to put some bombs down? Yeah, yeah. As many as I could. One a week. Why did you put nails in them? It means they'd smash windows, stick into people, maim people, and kill people. I knew they would maim people yeah. and kill people. Right. And they do. And it's all, that, that's the thing. It's all very planned out, like, yeah. for this greater good in this guy's fucked up head. I mean, he's so into the destruction right. of what it- And what the it, chaos. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's so evil. The after effects of it, the exactly. aftershock of it, that, that will last a lifetime. Right. Is, like, just what he wants, right? Yeah. So it's seven days after the bombing in Brixton, and we're at Brick Lane, and that's in the East End. And I spent some time there when we were in London in oh, July. Oh, you did? Right on Brick Lane and in the East End, yeah. I was trying to look this up because I wanted to get this right like at the time this was a largely Asian neighborhood yeah and we see footage of it you know I was gonna say this later but I'll say it now yeah there are so many CCTV cameras in London yes so much so that even when we were there yeah. in July of 2022 depending on when you're listening to this yeah. I was pointing out it's to Mike 800 years in the Mike, future you never know <laughs> these things live forever hi. hi everybody welcome or not or whatever uh, <laughs> punch a Nazi so I remember saying to Mike like there are cameras everywhere like what good that could do because we're always screaming about how we need better footage and yeah. we need that. And so, like, that's why we have so much footage of these incidents because even back then there was all this. This is the late cameras. 90s. Like, yeah. it's, it's unbelievable. But we meet this guy named City. He's the editor of a newspaper called Eastern Eye, which is like a British Asian newspaper. And he was saying that, like, we face a fair bit of racism. <laughs> oh, you just got used to it after a while and it was just a bit mindless, really. But then we got this letter. It was from some group called the White Walls. I knew that an Asian area was going to be targeted next. I felt it. And they're threatening, like, real 
actual action. And so because, of course, everyone in London is aware of the bomb that just went off in Brixton. Right. And they're like, obviously, that was a targeted attack against a racial group. All of like other racial minorities are like, it could be us next. And this guy's city is kind of like, we really thought we needed to be on high alert. Nobody's really taking us seriously. But this letter from this group called the White Wolves really for him was like, we're definitely a target. Right. Because Brixton was the black community. Yes. And now this is the Bengali community. Yes. And so there's another bombing. So once again, this footage is so scary. It's so terrifying. But no one was killed again. Yeah. It's so obviously racially motivated. Just because it's not the same race doesn't mean that it's not like they're not white. Of so course. like, just op- like open your eyes. And the cops aren't saying it. Like the cops aren't acknowledging it. And everyone now we have like another community saying like, will you just admit it? Well, and also one of the things we hear so much are the community leaders are saying you should be telling minority communities to be on alert, to be vigilant. Like, right. Because we need to be and the cops aren't saying it so people aren't thinking it and that's putting everybody in danger. And meanwhile, on the news, they're like, uh, do you know someone who bought nails recently? <gasps> so I thought this Call was actually, this number. I thought this was really interesting. Well, like the news anchor was like, tonight you can help and this is how. This is the quantity of nails packed around the explosives. Who bought this lot? It wasn't a regular customer. It isn't a regular builder. Who came in for this sort of quantity of nails? This is the quantity of nails that would go in one of these bombs. And the person who bought these are probably not your average builder. So if you sold a a handful of nails like this big to a person that was like, huh, I wonder why that guy's buying nails, give us a call. Yeah, if you saw anyone in the murder aisle. Right, exactly. Give us a ring. Do better, Walmart. (sighs) Do better. (laughs) But also, like, we can't buy nails. Either now. I know. Like, I know. I, I understand. I'm on the record saying if one person gets murdered by a guy in a ski mask, we should stop making ski masks. Yep. Maybe we should stop making nails. You need nails for things. I know. Do point, we like, still? I feel like we've evolved past nails. No. Um. Probably. Okay. I'm sure there. I'm thinking. I'm literally thinking of like. Well, how do you put a frame up? Like a picture frame. There are better ways. There's yeah. sticky stuff, right? Hundred percent. Paint a mural. The command hooks. Hundred percent. We solved it. Okay. Bye, everybody. Bye. <laughs> So we meet the senior investigating officer. We don't get her name. I don't understand. We don't get her name. She's like a lady, and I went back three times to try to find Me it. We too. don't get it. They don't say it in the captions. This is my least favorite part of this documentary. Yeah, hands I down. think the documentary is great, but this part sucks. Like she's the senior investigating officer. It's a huge responsibility, yeah. and this woman is saying, "Like I have to tell you, I had no experience in terrorism. No. Like this is a, I, but she wants to get the job done. And she's also saying, like people were terrified. Like there were very few serial killers. There were zero nail bomb serial bombers. And also like. Because it's so, I mean, I could just think about what it must be like to be walking and just like out of nowhere an explosion. Like, I know. It's different. It's not as intimate as someone breaking into your home and yep. your bedroom. There's something no. about no matter where you are at any moment. I know. I mean, and it's also like it, it tends to be happening on the weekends, sort of like in crowded yes. areas. Like, I guess we've all just gotten so good at staying the fuck inside that I guess like that's just what I would do until this guy was caught or but whatever. I remember like a long time after 9-11, like walking. It's like it could uh-huh. happen at any moment. Uh huh. At any time, there could be a massive explosion and like things could just go south. Uh, well, she's telling us. Police are now viewing hours of tape from closed circuit TV cameras in the hope that the person who planted the device will have been caught on film and someone may recognize them. The quality of the CCTV in 1999 wasn't great. However, we started to find images that, that might be the bomber. They find one candidate. It's a guy wearing a green jacket. He's got a white hat and a sports bag over his shoulder. And also, hey, idiots, stay stupid because if you want to stand out in a crowd, wear a white White hat. hat? Like, what are you thinking? Keep it up, you goddamn stupid (laughs) Nazi. Keep it up. (laughs) Keep it up. I love it. 
stupid Nazi. You, you stupid <laughs> fucking Nazi. I know. What an idiot. What a fucking moron. <laughs> Piece of shit, <laughs> dummy Nazi. I totally. Just raise your face. Just run right into my hand. But she's saying that like the quality of the picture was not good. She goes, they wanted to find like someone who could enhance it, and she's like, we went to all sorts of different agencies. We even went to the Americans. Yeah. <laughs> like they were the Speaking we were the dummies. last ones they wanted to call. Right. But they're like, you know what? Let's. Hey, can we at least can we give the Americans a call? See yeah. What they can do. do they have anything? I no. Know, I know. Great. <laughs> So the cops wouldn't put out the photo because it was too grainy and inconclusive. Yeah, which, by the way, I don't think it was. I'm looking at this picture. I'm like, I feel like I could make that guy right. out. Well, this woman's argument is like, yes, it's a bad picture, but there's enough there that if you know this person, you know them. And that's what Mike, remember the community organizer right. from Brixton? He's saying the same thing. Like, this guy is out there making a bomb right now. Right. There's Publish no- the photo. Totally. Put it out there. Somebody's going to recognize the way he's standing. How could way- it hurt in ex- any way? 100%. Like, I mean, the let's only- get eyes on him. I guess the only way it could hurt would be like now if they if they're not any closer to him then like he might flee the city or lay low for a little who I knows but, but I'm with Mike put the fucking picture out because if you don't and another bomb goes off you've got blood on your hands well guess what they didn't release the photo right so no one's listening to me no one's listening to Mike no one's listening to anybody but let's go to Arthur the fake Nazi yeah and he he's there and he's like okay well maybe I can use my position in this Nazi group again I'm a fake Nazi to yeah. try to get some information I was just like finding people pretending first of all that I was happy and I was saying like any idea who it is that sort of thing but no one had a clue no one has a clue yeah. and he's like he's trying to act like he's all happy yes, about it yes. trying to get information like who do you think like the the wonderful genius oh, is right who yeah. did this like yeah. let's celebrate this person and he can't get any information and eventually we meet this guy who used to be in this crowd yes and he, he does a real tricky thing in the end right, he, it's great <laughs> it's but so like good. before we get there <laughs> he's yeah. not entirely clear he wasn't like I was undercover like Arthur no he's just like I he either there used to be a little bit of a Nazi. Sure. Like I mean, it's like flirting. anybody who escapes from a cult, I think he just saw the right path and got out. But also, like, you can't be, like, kind of a Nazi. Either yeah. you're in or you're not. Yeah. I mean, there are right? probably some people who, like, who reformed. Like, you know what I mean? I have to believe that there are people for whom they can turn the... Cor- no, that's I, not to say you're forgiven for the shit that sure, you did. I hear you. Yeah. And I agree. I just wish we got more of that from this guy. Totally. Because he's sort of just, like, breezes right by. I used to be kind of involved. And I'm like, to what? And I yeah, yeah totally. Were you like yeah yeah yeah? Did you like have a bomb manual? Did right. you make one? Right. Like, do you know Arthur? Right. Like what? Right. When and where and how? And a little why? more information. I, I just, agree. I have a lot of questions. But the thing is, now we don't know where the next bomb is going to be. But obviously, there will be one, right? Yes. And everyone is thinking that this was all about racism. But the thing about Nazis is that they hate everyone, so they also hate the LGBTQ plus community. Right. So we're back in the interrogation room with him. He's basically saying the next bomb was going to be dropped in. Soho. So right. like Soho at the time and still now is yeah. kind of like the gay area. It's it's the place I like to go when I'm in London. I love Soho. I agree. <laughs> I loved it. We were like on the like getting the on the street cam. We we're in the 90s footage. I'm like, yeah. I've been to all of those. Because so these bars never change. Yeah. They're all the same like then and now. Right. It's so great. So we learn he's going to drop this bomb in Soho. And then we get this gay community activist leader. And he's saying to us, nobody knew which community was going to be targeted next. Would it be the Chinese community? Would it be the Jewish community? There was a lot of discussion, but the early conversations were all about race, they were all about ethnicity. Nobody was thinking about uh, the fact that this could go wider to the gay community. 
up to now, it was all about race and ethnicity. So nobody was thinking it could maybe go wider to the gay community. But like the gay community did. And they were trying to warn the cops and protecting themselves. So they were trying to tell everyone to stay vigilant and, and they stay go alert. To the, they go to the cops and the cops are not interested in helping them. No they're way. like, literally, they're like, Mary, It's they're going to uh-huh. the ethnic minorities. They're not coming for you. And like, they just came around to that idea. Maybe it's a little racial. Yeah. Like, the cops are no help here. It's it's kind of wild. Like, how many times in history the gays have had to fend for them fucking selves? Right, and protect each other. You know and what I mean? Like, and honestly, like, this is in like the early 2000s, so we already have the community organization that we were forced to do because of AIDS. Yeah, 1999. Oh, yeah. That's why we have community leaders in our community. And so, like, at least there was a a blueprint for how to, like, Uh let the other community leaders know, like, hey, be on high alert. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. But unfortunately, like, you're essentially looking for a bag unattended in a bar. Like, that's how he's dropping these nail bombs. Exactly. And so now, meanwhile, fake Nazi Arthur is really trying to get a name because the bombings keep happening and this is all, like, very terrifying. Right. So he, fake Nazi Arthur, has his sights on a guy that he calls calls Dave from Barking. Barking's a place. Yes. So that's where Dave, and Dave, they're kind of the same age, and Dave really was always talking about like music and racism, and he yeah. was just, he goes, Whips him the sort of age, bonded a little bit, talk about music, and the fact he didn't like people with brown faces very much. He was talking about how he didn't like people with brown faces very much. And I'm like, oh, the thing is, when you're a Nazi right. and you're in this safe space, you just say it all you out loud say it with out your loud. fucking chest. Oh, my you say God. It to, like, you're so yeah. proud of it. So, yeah. like, Arthur's like, all right, take yeah. in a couple boxes. <laughs> I think this might be the Nazi for me. Fake Nazi Arthur is saying the last time I saw this Dave guy was at the annual rally. He was given kind of a high position where he's, he's kind of like standing with the leader, John Tyndall. Of, of this, like, British National Party. He's not like the leader of the Nazis, no, but no, he no. might as well be. Exactly. He's like a political figure, but he is speaking to them. Does that sound familiar? Yeah. Lots of dog whistles, <laughs> yeah. red hats yeah. probably. Yeah. So like this kid Dave that he knows is like making his way up the ranks. And then he sort of disappears. Right. And that's a little interesting. So we'll get back to that because guess what? The LGBTQ plus community was absolutely right. So we get back to the interview with the suspect and he's saying he goes to Soho to figure out what pub he wants to blow up. He said he wanted to make sure it was a queer one and then he goes, or gay, or whatever you call it. Now, there's a whole thing that goes on with this guy. This guy hates the gays. And he'll tell you. I mean, straight out. And literally, they're like, do you have a problem with, they call them the gays. It's not even me this time. The cops go, do you have a problem with the gays? He goes, oh yeah. Absolutely, I do. I'm just very homophobic. That's pretty... You know, I just hate him. Why? Well, I don't know. You just do, you know? Well, there must be a reason. I've got a thing about homosexuals. You know, I just don't like talking about it. You know what I mean? Oh, I'm just very homophobic. And he doesn't want to talk about it. Right. But he does want to say it's very, very personal. Like, he does want to talk about it, but he doesn't want to get into why. He just wants to just express how hateful he is. The cops say to him, the tape isn't going to pick this up, so I'm going to say it out loud. Yes. When you talk about the gays, you get so angry, you have to close your eyes to, like, just get through the conversation about it. And this is where the real Nazi has to convince the cops that he's actually heterosexual. I'm completely straight here. Don't worry about Or is he convincing himself? It seems to be deeper than the other hatreds he has. I think he hates himself because he realizes he might be bi or gay or something. And it's completely conflicting with his other hateful beliefs. God, it's And so because he doesn't, he doesn't, in like a fucked up way, he doesn't discriminate. Like he really does hate everyone who's not white and and straight or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But like there is something about, it's true. Like when he talks about the gay and queer community, he's very, it's way more personal than just like, I don't want them taking my job 
jobs and right. my whatever. Right. You know, right. it's Exa- very, it's very, very, very different. Yeah. And he says as much. He's totally. not trying to like he hide. He literally that says anyway. it's personal. It's, he's like, I just like I cannot fucking stress enough how much I hate these people. <laughs> I know. And in that I tone, know. this like monotone. And that's why I liked that they said that because you don't hear it. And like totally. but he really is yeah. like he is yeah. seething. Yes. It's wild. What a fucking piece of shit this what guy is. What a piece is. of shit. I know. Nazis the worst. So put a pin in that because we're back to the cops now and they're going through like this hundreds of hours of CCTV footage all over the city. They're trying to find that white hat guy. Yeah, because they're saying like you see all these people but we're looking for the white hat guy because it's fucking moron. Stay stupid. Right. Where's a white hat? What is he thinking? And so there are some of the images are pretty blurry but some not so much. Like we can see this white hat guy really, really clearly because there are cameras everywhere. And there's one where we see like we see it in the documentary where he like walks into a store straight on. Right. We see his face and they're like well that's it. That's, that's the shot. And Cut so, and print. Right. And so they post the images all over the place and according to the news in 1999 even on the internet this brand new internet thing let's give her a whirl (laughs) but like even on the internet like that was the big thing like even there you know what let's even put it on the internet like fringe play we'll see if that takes off meanwhile the first place you put it is the internet oh my god there's like no other place to put it now but the internet but the Nazi becomes aware that they have a picture of him I heard on the radio that you had pictures of me and first of all I thought that's it I'm caught so I've immediately gone straight home and I've realized I ain't been caught yet. I my device, set the time, packed it all up. He still wants to get in one more bombing. So he runs home to like get his shit. Yeah, so he goes to Soho. Yeah. And he sets the bomb for 6.30 p.m. on a Friday afternoon, happy hour, where everyone, it's a beautiful day. He knows everyone's going to be out. the culture of London really is that everyone goes for a drink after work. This is real. Yeah. Like people go out for drinks later, but like the drink after work culture Huge. in London yeah. is what everybody does. Right. So Friday afternoon at 6.30, that's prime time. Right. And we meet this other guy whose name we don't get. This, And I call him another nameless friend. He's I, an artist. I call Call him friend. our friend. Yep, this gay man had been to a gallery that day. He says the weather was glorious. He's heading home. It was, it's the echoes of September 11th. I, or, know. I oh. can't because like September 11th was like a gorgeous day. I remember it, was a gorgeous it morning. vividly. Yeah, it was I remember beautiful. it so well. But that's what they're saying about this Friday was that it was like this beautiful evening. It was a start to like a holiday weekend. Right. Everyone's in a great mood. He said the gay guy says there was a lot of gaiety. Yeah, <laughs> I see you, nameless friend. Why do we have his name? I don't know. So he decides to pop into a pub for a pint. He goes to the Admiral. Duncan. So the Admiral Duncan is my gay bar in London. There's two spots that I love. It's the Admiral Duncan and the Duke of Wellington. It's yeah. the, and I love them because they're not fancy. They're bars. They're, they're pubs. like They're pubs. You can smell the yeah, beer. That's my in. favorite. They're so great. I love, like, the Admiral Duncan, I, when we were just there in London, yeah. we went, like, three nights. It's right. still there. Yeah. So despite what happens, like, the place is still there. Right. Which I love. Yeah. And also, so Arthur, the fake Nazi, sees the images of the white hat guy. Yes. And he's like, holy shit, that's Dave that's from Dave. Barking. Right. Yeah, Remember exactly. he said before? Exactly. So his name is David Copeland, and he's a fucking Nazi. So Arthur, meanwhile, has been taking all of these notes while he's undercover being a fake Nazi and yeah. sends them to that searchlight, that private yeah. organization. And they all work together, and they confirm that this Dave guy is a Nazi and a terrible person, which, honestly, they're one and the same. One and the same. So we're back with Dave in the interview, and he's telling us he knows that he's got the bomb in his bag, like, <sighs> on his shoulder, and he's, like, standing. And, like, are you afraid the bomb's going to go off early or something? Like, what? No. I guess not. I guess he's a— I, What's the thing that where you don't feel anything? Sociopath? I where guess. he's just like, whatever. Whatever. But he has a purpose for this. He wants to go into the bar. Yes. I went in there about, I say, 10, 10 to 6. Ordered the drink. When I was in there, uh, I see the people I was going to maim and kill. I didn't feel joy about it. I didn't feel sad. 
substantiation. He wants to look at the people he's going to maim and kill. Or did he just want to be in a gay bar? Oh, or did he just want to be in a gay bar? Like, I, I know. I, I'm, not, I'm not saying that to be funny. No, I think, of course. I think it was his, a part of him yeah. in some way, that was a, like an excuse to get into the gay bar. I guess. You know? Yeah. But he, he even says, I didn't feel joy about it. I wasn't sad about it. I just didn't feel anything. He has this pathological need yeah. to kill these people. Right. And that doesn't even make him feel happy. I know. Either. You know what I mean? Not like I want him to feel that way. Uh-huh. But he's so like dark and evil and there's like nothingness that like he's going to quote like do this horrible thing to these people that he hates. But like that's not even enough. I like, know. Like being a Nazi sucks. And it's also like he says like he's there for 15 minutes. He puts his bag down. Mm-hmm. So now it's like five minutes until the bomb is going to go off. And I'm just thinking like why isn't everybody looking for a guy I putting know. a bag down? I know. Because you know? You know, yeah. And he says there was like 15 or 20 people in there. He said he struggled to get out of the place because it got a little crowded. And then he said I knew these people would be killed but I had to do it. And so we're back with our friend. Our artist friend. Our yeah. artist friend. And he says like I went to the bar. I ordered a beer. He's like I didn't even sit it and then all of a sudden everything just went black yeah and he describes it like peacefully like he's like i'm standing there and i can't hear anything i can't see anything and the next thing i know i'm like lying on my back on the floor and there's a woman over me screaming right and we learn that he lost one of his legs yeah and he says he tells the story that he was on like super heavy drugs obviously he was sedated or whatever yeah he's in the hospital right and in this moment he's having those like drug-induced nightmares yeah yeah oh god I was having this dream about being in a nightclub and everybody was rats. And rats were dressed as human beings. There were rats in the wall. I could hear them. Rats, rats, and more rats. And he's having these nightmares mostly about rats. And it's so weird that he says that because we learn later that the Nazi, the guy, the the bomber, had pet rats. And he let them run all over the stuff he was using to make the bomb. So these rats were like peeing and pooping on the nails that went into people. And so it gave them all infections. That's like all the people who were like got bombed in this attack had these like crazy infections. They couldn't figure out why. Because the nails would cause the infections anyway, like we learned earlier. But it's wild that our, our artist friend was having nightmares about rats when rats were causing I know. this infection and these fever dreams. It was just like a really fucking crazy story. Really fucking crazy. And so we're back with that hospital doctor from the beginning and he's like, people don't realize how horrific these injuries were. Yeah. He said, you know, there was one man that came in, he was unconscious for three days yeah. and when he woke up, he had to tell the man that like two of his friends had died and his wife and unborn child. And it's like, that's what you wanted, you piece of shit. Like, I know. That, like, that was your and, goal. Like, that's like a potentially heterosexual woman sure. that you killed. Right. You know what I mean? Doesn't matter. Yeah. Doesn't matter. She wasn't like one of them. No. You her know? name was Andrea Dykes. Right. And if you're not a Nazi, then it doesn't matter. No. That, exactly. Like, that's the thing that's so fucked up. It doesn't yeah. matter. So, speaking of, the cops are trying to track down this guy, right? Because he's yeah. like, because we learned, like you were saying, like he wanted to get caught. Personally, I wanted to get caught. Why? Be famous in some sort of way. What does fear mean to you? It's existence. What's that mean? I I don't understand. No one remembers who you were. You never existed. 
He says, if no one remembers you, then you never existed. And I'm like, what a fucking lonely, stupid, dark experience. And you know, it's like, or you could do something good with yeah, your life. Yeah, I mean, where are the people who raised this kid? I've I got know. a lot of questions for what happened to this kid. Yeah. And like everything else he says is just so evil. They're like, why did you want to do it? And he said, to spread fear, resentment, and hatred. He's basically like, he says Girl, out loud, I'm a Nazi. What do you expect? This is what we do. He literally says, I'm a Nazi. Right. He's also 22 years I old. I know. I know. So they arrest him. Thank God. 13 yeah. months later, the trial starts. So he has these three murder charges, plus, like, I guess all the fucking bombing charges. Yeah. And they say that he denies the three murder charges due to diminished responsibility. And I was like, what? Oh, the insanity that's the plea. insanity defense. Okay. So this nameless cop who is a former Nazi or someone who flirted with being a Nazi. He's a good guy. We're here. He's like a good guy now. Who knows what he did? Netflix, I'd love some context. I a lower know. third and some context will go a long way. But anyway, we love what happens next. Yes. So they have to prove that this piece of shit knew exactly what he was doing. Right. right? And how do you prove that? Like, that's kind of impossible to like prove mindset, right? Or is it? Or is it? Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> so suddenly, out of the clear blue sky, this guy gets a pen pal. The Nazi. The Nazi gets yeah, a pen pal. The yeah, the Nazi gets a pen pal, the pen pal of his dreams. Her name is Patsy. Her name's Patsy, which interestingly enough, like, you know, a Patsy is also someone who's easily manipulated. Exactly. So they start this love affair and these letters are going back and forth. And you all see where this is going, right? Because right? he's like, send me a picture. And, you know, like the guy who's actually writing the letters to a former Nazi. Is the who's now a cop. Yeah. But he's saying, I wanted to make her the perfect Nazi bride. Patsy was like these girls you see in the 1940s propaganda films. You know, she's live, blonde, beautiful. Someone who'll do what they're told without question. Someone who's vulnerable. Totally airhead, do you know what I mean? He's like, yeah, Patsy was one of those idiots from those 1940s propaganda films. You know the ones. And I'm like, no, nameless cop. I wasn't watching Nazi propaganda films. Were you? Like... No, Several questions fair I have. Question like I, I don't. Yeah, yeah. When I was like, "What proper?" Oh, oh, right. I know. What is this but guy? But then we see, like, we see stock footage of exactly the kind of woman he and was I'm trying like, to be. Oh, okay. oh, her, right? So now, so basically, just to, to be totally clear, this cop is writing these letters yes. to get this Nazi guy to trust this beautiful woman, right. To let his guard down, and because, like, essentially, like the Nazi falls in love with this fake, it works. About, right? And he wants her to know, like, don't worry, I'm not like a crazy Nazi. I'm just like a regular Nazi. Be- <laughs> oh god but like yes right yeah, yeah, yeah. so the letters are starting to heat up a little yeah. bit um, I was waiting for them to get like super sexy right yeah but uh, you know you know that the nameless cop is like no homo totally if I write it even though I'm the girl you know like come on but this works he literally like writes to her and says I cannot believe I fooled these doctors well he's bragging about how smart he is yeah. and he's like this place is a joke the yeah. doctors are a joke can you believe I fooled all of them and so like Patsy is like, tell me more. Yeah, tell yeah, me yeah, more. Yeah, yeah. So they have all of these letters. They submit all the letters as evidence. They, the jury reads all of the letters back and forth in order. And the cop who wrote the letters describes the moment that the Nazi in court realizes that Patsy isn't real. And that was the only time he reacted. When they, the yeah. injuries, the horror, the trauma. Can you ima- I know. But then when the prosecutor read out that um, the girl he wanted to marry was actually a... Uh, an area ass bouncer from Essex called Bernie. You know, he, he put his head in his hands and slumped in the dock. You know, he's 
His world ended. He learns this on the stand. Yeah, like, yeah, He yeah. learns about this in real time, and that's where he's like, oh, my God. I got to tell you, I'm kind of surprised he didn't get actual love letters. I'm sure he did. Because, like, culture is garbage. You I'm know what sure, I mean? I'm sure he did. We're just thankfully not talking about it. Oh. So, like, we learn he's the patsy now, right. motherfucker. Exactly. You piece of shit. Yeah, he gets six life sentences. And our nameless artist friend says he's a pathetic nobody, and he's where he belongs. And I love that it kind of ends at the end of the court that day. The gays just want to go out for drinks. Right. I mean, <laughs> right, like. Okay, bye. Right. But he also says, like, we couldn't even enjoy it. Like, what's to celebrate? I like, know. these guys, like, locked away. What a waste of human life. But it ends with our friend Mike Franklin, yeah. who is the guy, the community leader, who's like, I was there in Brixton with the, the riots. Man. Like, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. And it ends with, like, Here's the thing about the David Copelands of the world. Yeah. Like, they'll never actually succeed. He has too much hate in his heart. And totally. He goes, it must be so horrible and exhausting to be consumed with hate. And he's like, the thing is, like, it's Friday night. I'm going to grab a pint. Beer. Like, <laughs> I get to wake up and be me. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, you yeah. have to be your piece of shit self. And I win. R- first round's on me. Totally. And I'm like, I'm going where Mike's going. Totally. I want to sit next to Mike at the pub. Yes. And I'm going to buy his pint. And we're going to raise a glass to the fact that neither of us are fucking Nazis. <laughs> And I can sleep soundly tonight. Oh my God, girl, we did it. What's it called? Nail Bomber. Nail Bomber. Manhunt. It's a great documentary. Go watch it. It's really, really good. It's excellent. It's one of those, like, it's just a lot of history in it, too. Totally. It's really, really good. Also, join us on the Patreon. Get all the video content we're posting. So much. All of the live shows and all of the stuff from Obsessed Fest. You can get a real, like, sense of what Obsessed Fest was like. News about Obsessed Fest year two coming very, very soon. Very, very soon. Sooner than you think. Sooner than you think. Yep. What are we doing next? We are doing, this is on Hulu. It's called No Good Deed, a crowdfunding holiday heist. What? Yeah. Oh my God. It's real bad. Like, is the GoFundMe real <gasps> for the holiday season for, you know, Thanksgiving? I oh don't my know. Goodness. We'll find out together. Join us on Hulu or here. Right, oh, right. <laughs> but you can watch it on Hulu. <laughs> All right. Well, stay tuned for the trailer for that. Our hopefully funny and hilarious outtakes. I guess. Oh God. Again, punch a Nazi. Do, do go punch a Nazi. Do your, do your part. Duty. Yeah, do your part. <laughs> Make sure they're a Nazi before you punch them. But once you get confirmation, give them a punch. obvious. Yeah, totally. They wear that shit on their sleeves. It's right? literally. Literally. Oof. <laughs> All right, bye. Bye. A remarkable story of paying it forward is going viral. A New Jersey woman helped by a homeless man after running out of gas. This really was the feel-good story of the holidays of 2017. What if we started a GoFundMe for this guy to get him off of the streets, even for a weekend or just a few days, you know, would be so cool. It was awesome. I was blown away. This was the largest GoFundMe guarantee payout that the company had done, and I think to this day it is still the largest. And, and that, that tells you something. We started to figure that uh, something was not legit. The public always likes a feel-good story. It's a pretty good story. It's a great story, if it happened. <laughs> mm-hmm. They literally want to make grit and braid again. They literally w- <laughs> That was perfect. Wow. You couldn't write that. If I asked you to say it, you wouldn't have been able to do it. I was like, oh, God, whenever we do these, like, they speak English, but not with an American accent, I always get very nervous that I'm going to get lost. You're okay. I'm okay. You're all right. I'm okay.
New opportunities <laughs> and new experiences are good. No, I just was like, oh God, this, it's only the documentary is only an hour and 12 minutes. I know. It's very important content. I was like, am I going to be able to keep up? I can't, it's hard for me to read and watch and take okay. notes at the same time. We're going to be okay? You know I got gotcha. you. Okay. I got gotcha. you. We'll hold hands okay. metaphorically. All right, great. Okay. We see um, an x-ray yeah. of a person with a brain in their head. The, the nail, sorry. <laughs> So he's standing outside the bar near like a telephone. Uh, what do you call that? Phone booth. A phone booth. Oh my god. The famous red phone. <laughs> the booth. famous red phone yeah. booth. Can you give us the Exorcist guy doing the Expedito, <laughs> the Nina, the Pinta, the Santa Maria. Hola, my name is Abuelita. <laughs> yeah, XOXO, Michael the Priest. P.S. Here's what I want for Christmas. <laughs> 